Deirdre Morton ran a finger along the mystery novels lining the top shelf of the small office's single bookcase. Please sit. The tall, impeccably dressed doctor settled herself in one of the two comfortable brown faux leather chairs. Both touched a large glass window that took up nearly the entire wall of the 17th floor office. Detective Morton sat in the indicated chair. Then she stood again. She took the attractively matching but uncomfortable throw pillow from the chair and looked around for somewhere polite to toss it. The office was small. The giant window made it seem roomy, but essentially there was space for the two comfy chairs, the simple bookcase on the wall beside the door, and a closed secretary desk with a rolling stool against the wall behind the doctor's seat. The detective sat back down, holding the pillow on her lap. She looked up at the doctor who was failing to hide her amusement, and her breath caught at what she saw. After a moment she sighed, and handed the pillow over to the psychiatrist's outstretched hand. "'Are you okay?' The doctor tossed the pillow behind her, missing the stool. "'That's a rather obvious opener, don't you think?' Dr. Pershing ignored the deflection. "'You paled just now, when you looked at me?' Detective Morton looked away, smiling ironically to herself. Then she noticed the view. Awfully dangerous view. Don't get many suicides, do you? Homicides, mostly. The cop quickly looked back at the doctor's deadpan expression. She hadn't been expecting to enjoy her department-mandated therapy session. The psychiatrist, probably in her mid-thirties, was wearing the required perfect skirt suit. She wore librarian glasses and an immaculately coiffed blonde bun low on the back of her head. But she also had mischievous dimples and a glint in her eye. Detective Morton, this process— Please, call me D. Everyone does. She thought about this. Everyone I like calls me D. All right. All right, D. I'm Anne. The process begins with a couple of sessions in which I evaluate how you are handling the death of your partner. It will be my decision at that point whether or not you are mentally ready to resume your duties on the force. Whether you return to work then or not, you will continue speaking with me for a minimum of six weeks. If you disagree with any of my findings, I don't think I will. I apologize for interrupting, but it's not often I meet someone I can speak with openly, and we don't have a lot of time. The doctor smiled uncertainly. Eager is good. Would you like to talk about Detective Nelwyn? Dee scoffed. Nerdwin? She shook her head. Kyle. Let's just call him Kyle. Dee looked out the window again at the city laid out below. She looked down to avoid her reflection. She never looked at her reflection. She knew that she looked an awful lot like her brother Orin, or at least everybody said so. Both could have just gotten off the boat from Ireland. They had the same round face with apple cheeks and giant green eyes on top of a long neck. Orin wore lots of facial hair, which changed monthly. Dee kept her orange hair cut too short to be attractive, but long enough for the curls that made it easy to style without a mirror. Dee owned a brush, but she only used it once a week, before her shower. Otherwise, the curls were finger-combed and left to their own whims. Kyle recommended she wear hats, but hats made her head sweaty, which demanded more frequent showers, 
and she found running water made her uncomfortable. She cut her hair short in late spring and let it grow out for some winter warmth. Now, in late October, the curls were starting to need some bobby pins to stay out of her eyes. She brushed the bangs back and repinned them. Then she remembered that she was supposed to be sharing her feelings about how, earlier this week, her partner of fifteen years had been shot in the line of duty.